Hello and welcome to the CISS podcast. This is the On the Spot series by China Forum. In this series, we return to the platform of international forums and webinars, where leading minds in academia, government, business, technology, and media deliver novel, collaborative responses to the global issues of the day. Hello and welcome to the CISS podcast on the Spot series. I'm Han Hua. As peace talks loom between Russia and Ukraine, the U.S. is ratcheting up pressure on China to quit its neutral stance, warning more serious consequences if China continues to provide material support to Russia. Is China's non-sanction policy very different from most countries in the world? Why China focuses more on helpful measures like humanitarian assistance instead of posing rounds of sanctions? Professor Gong Zhong, a China Forum expert, attended the offline meeting of the Doha Forum in late March, where he explicitly explained why China sticks to its neutral stance towards Russia and Ukraine. Please stay tuned. Seeing various、uh, statements from the Chinese government, I would characterize it overall as as sort of a neutrality stance. But I think one very important issue is with respect to the sanctions organized by United States and its allies. China obviously has announced that it has a no sanction policy so far, and it actually sides with a lot of countries. For example, all the BRICS countries, Brazil, India, for example. Entire ASEAN countries,、uh, barring Singapore, almost all the、uh, South American countries, bulk of Africa, for example, bulk of Central Asia, these former Soviet republics, and bulk of the MENA region as well, have not announced that they have sanctions. So China is actually no different from these countries. But of course, China is under immense pressure from Washington. Because of its very unique role in terms of its role in world trade, the role of its currency as a major settlement currency for trade, so that's a very unique issue here. And I would argue that China's non-sanction policy is more than motivated by the reasons that、uh, the previous guest has mentioned. Chinese government has said that、uh, there are various reasons and causes leading to this war. Not all of which would be attributed to the Russian side. But I think, in addition to this, I think the more important security reason is that China is very different from all the European countries in the sense that、um, it shares a very long border with Russia, a border of 4,200 kilometers with Russia. China's plunging into sanctions would immediately insert itself into an adversity situation with Russia. And Russia holds a stockpile of 3,000 nuclear heads, right? And you all know that. Almost all the countries so far have announced sanctions against Russia. Enjoy, to some extent, one way or another, some nuclear power protection umbrella from Washington. And China, understandably, doesn't want to be dragged into a potential third world war that could be of、uh, a big proportions. China's nuclear capacity is only one tenth of Russia's. Now, Washington has issued recently some coercive warnings about what's called implications and consequences if China, according to originally Sullivan's words, attempts to help Russia evade sanctions. But since a few days ago, President Biden and President Xi's video call, the rhetoric has softened a little bit.、Uh, it has softened to the implications and consequences of China providing material support to Russia. Okay, so what is the meaning of material support? I think this is the most important issue from China's perspective when it comes to sanctions. 
Now, my own interpretation currently refers to three points based on the uh, United States State Department spokesperson Edward Price words. Essentially, I would say that probably arms sales to Russia crosses the red line. It's definitely material support. Using China's international payment system called CIPS to circumvent the SWIFT system, especially for dollar-denominated transactions, probably also qualifies as material support. And also, I would say a dramatic increase in Sino-Russia trade is probably also material support. So what I mean by dramatic increase? You know, I think we can use a but-for counterfactual approach to assess the Sino-Russia trade and ask this question. So had this war not happened, would this trade still have taken place, right? Last year, China-Russia trade increased by 36%. So the question is, does a 50% increase this year qualify as a material support? Well, you know, I think it's probably on the borderline. I really don't think it's material support. Doubling, tripling of that trade amount probably is. You know, that's just my personal view on this. Another related, very important uh, issue about the Siberian Two gas pipeline project, which is currently, I think, it's getting into construction right now.、Um, is that qualified as material support? I still don't think so because even if this war didn't happen, this project would be going on anyway. So I think here's a very important distinction here. The United States basically is promoting a narrative that not imposing sanction by China. Is the same as siding with the Russian side. You know, this narrative doesn't apply to other countries, India, Brazil, other countries, but only to China. And I think this narrative should be rejected by the British experience during the entire 19th century, when London adopted what historians called a splendid isolation foreign policy with respect to the constant conflicts and wars on the European continent. That is, Great Britain didn't side with any state in Europe. Nor any alliance on the European continent, but still maintain a normal trading relationship with each one of them, and this is basically a neutrality principle. And today, I call on countries like China and other countries that would like to stay out this mess in Europe to adopt a policy of what I call principled neutrality, and it should include at least the following four aspects: principled. Neutrality strives for peace, which means restrain from actions that could directly contribute to military fighting in Ukraine, and obviously including sales of arms as well. Principle neutrality calls for proactive action to mediate truce and a peaceful political solution in Ukraine. I think you know Turkey is doing that, right? Principle neutrality also strives for the welfare of ordinary citizens in both Russia and Ukraine. And let me point out that historically, sanctions kill more people than war, due to life hardship, starvation, denial of access to medical supplies, and etc. That means maintaining normal trade relationships with both Russia and Ukraine. Principle neutrality calls for humanitarian assistance to the people of Ukraine, based on the United Nations humanitarian aid principles, i.e., humanity, neutrality, impartiality, and independence. So, in my view, the debate about China's stance in this war is not so much about whether being on the Russian side or on the Ukraine-U.S. ally side. The international community needs to judge whether actions from Beijing are on the side of peace, on the side of humanity, and of course, on the side of China's own national interests, which I don't think is fundamentally at odds with global interests. That was Professor Gong Zhong, a China Forum expert. And professor of economics at the University of International Business and Economics, giving his explanations 
on why China takes a different approach from the Western countries to help cool down the Russia-Ukraine conflict.